Good evening and welcome to the first playoff edition of the JV Sports Blog Podcast this year. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, everybody. Hopefully everybody is doing great. Um, Rob, we're just going to leave this off right away. We are, we are feeling fantastic tonight. We're locked in. It is playoff time. Um, the visor is out. I acquired a pint glass from a North Dakota brewery um, that was thrown over the fence today. Uh, the, the pale fire pint glass is out and another school in Virginia fired their coach today. And in kind of epic fashion, um, JMU's coach Signetti, who rarely tweets, um, stamped that rumor out right quick tonight. Yeah, that was pretty epic. <laughs> that was pretty awesome for a guy who hasn't said like, what, I mean, he's probably tweeted like 15 times this season. Right. I, I mean, not much. Right. Yeah. It's just, it, and, and yeah. for people, just it's Monday night. We're recording this. Yeah. Obviously, ODU fired his coach, so fire up the speculation machine and what we do. Successful coaches in Virginia, Eddie, right there. So everybody's just based on speculation of who's going to be in the running. Mm-hmm. Um, who was it? Duke Dog Nation? Yeah, it's one of those. Or JMU FCS, one of the fan nation. Yeah, Duke whatever. Blog, whatever. Yeah, one of them was like. Hero Sports published an article, right, that, yeah. that came out. was like 15 potential replacements, including four FCS coaches. And I didn't even check the article, but I assumed Signetti was in Signetti it. was thrown in there. And just like, it, it just a throwaway sense, like, oh, well, clearly, you know, he's earned it. He, he's going to get the call. Whatever. Right. Baseless yeah. speculation by people just yeah. doing what everybody else does. Um, so anyway, this guy, dude, uh, yeah, it was Duke mm-hmm. Nation. Thanks, Alex. Um, yeah. Tweeted it out. <laughs> Saying like, here we go. It's time time for everybody to speculate on Jamie head coaching for the season. And Signetti just very simply replied to it, "No, it's not." It's just like, <laughs> it was so awesome. It's Jamie head coach speculation season again. Go to Signetti first reply. No, it's not. Just right. And then the, all the wonderful gifts to follow yeah. everybody. You know, but the ones we all see. It's just um, so on brand because to me, yes. when I read that, it's not him being like, "I better get out of these rumors." He's just gonna be like. Damn it, we got a game to win. People got to pay attention. I surprise yes. people. It's Bonnet. Shut up. Block out the noise. Like it, it's kind of the antithesis of you know scheduling an impromptu press conference to leak yeah. slash dispel rumors. Yes. So. Well, and the funny thing is, Rob, I was going to talk tonight. That was one of the things. I mean, I'm stepping all over myself for later, but I was going to say how refreshing it is after last season's debacle at this time last year, right? It was so refreshing this week just to be excited about a game coming up this week. Yeah. Um, You know, last year at this time, we were, it was just a, you know, we were in full dumpster fire mode here um, with everything that was going on with Houston. And I was just about to say like, well, you know, you never know on these things, but it does feel pretty good this year. Um, And I heard another uh, person that I respect talk about college football say, the other day, and I think this was in reference to, I don't know what if it was Saban or I think who it was, but they were saying that the, it might have been, uh, oh no, it was Dabo, with all this Clemson, <laughs> this talk about where he's trying to say that Clemson's being disrespected. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, this is vintage Joe Gibbs talking about how, like, <laughs> right, Lou Hall, everybody's great. Um, but they were saying that all of that is not for the media. It's not for the fans. It's for the locker room. The very, right, the very best coaches do that for the locker room. They are only speaking to one person when they speak at the podium. And I've been thinking about that, and I don't want to, you know, I don't mean to get into anything about Houston, but, you know, Signetti is not as, um, you know, he's not quite as friendly with the media sometimes. But I think that's because saying when he steps to the podium are very clearly directed into the locker room, yeah. right? Which, yeah, uh, he the way that he coaches, yep. coaches particularly Nooch, game press conferences. Yep, and and the only the only audience he cares about is the guys in that room. Yep. So, yep. But that brings us to the start of the podcast tonight. Uh, really exciting week to be with you. Uh, thanks again to Brian McLaughlin for the great show last week. That was a ton of fun for us. Um, Brian's always really generous with his time. All of us look like morons on our picks this past weekend. So. We'll stay out of the picking game <laughs> going forward, other than JMU. Um, but JMU's got a big playoff game coming up this weekend. I'm going to get to that in a second. First, big thanks to our first sponsor, Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Go by the tap room anytime. Great to see people when they tweet at us like they did this weekend, uh, getting their pint glasses for free for mentioning the podcast. 
And I know Pale Fire's got a lot of uh, sort of holiday season music books. Notice they just, they have a lot of, um, you know, sort of the big, bigger local acts and people who are maybe back in town um, off and on over the holidays coming in. So get in there and uh, catch some live music and see, get some great beer. Uh, big thanks to Pale Fire. And Rob, I guess we wanted to talk a little bit. I mean, I wanted to mention, <laughs> I don't know what to say about men's basketball. Uh, we were, I, I think we had all kind of, for the 19th time, given up on Coach Rowe after probably the worst loss in his tenure. I, I didn't one know if them, yeah. one of them, right, the Coffin State, Juan Dixon's Coffin State team, who I'm not sure if they won four games last year. No, um, they were like a 340-plus RPI or 340-plus Ken Palm team last year. They're, right. they're better this year. I think they, they'd already beaten Loyola and somebody else. I mean, they'd beaten – they'd won a couple games, but it was a game, Jamie, you had no business losing. No, and I was in Greensboro last year at this time, and Coppin State came to Greensboro, and UNCG beat them by 100. I, I mean, it really felt like they were playing a D3 team. I mean, I remember it was interesting because I, t- I think I took a picture of Juan Dixon like on the court, you know, it was interesting in that way. But um, yeah, that, that seemed like a disaster for Roe. And then they turn around and, you know, they played pretty well. They shot the ball well and they beat ECU over the weekend. Um, I don't really know what to say about it. This team's kind of up and down. And, and one thing we know about this team, like every other basketball team, but this one in particular, if they shoot well, they seem to get results. Well, that's all it is. It's that's just, all it, it is, right? It, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to play at a very high pace. I think they're like fourth in adjusted pace mm-hmm. in the nation. They're going to play really fast. They're going to launch a ton of shots. They're going to let the opposition launch a ton of shots. And it's just going to come down to if they're hot, they're going to, they're going to win or be in games. And if they're not, it's lights out. Yep. Um, it just, there doesn't appear to be any adjustments against Coppin State. They shot, I think, twice as many threes as twos in mm-hmm. the first half. And they were hitting them. Hit over 50%. Yep. I want to say, don't quote me on this, but I think they were like 11 out of 22 or something like that. Like really uh-huh. red hot. And then nothing was falling in the second half, but they still shot, you know, well into the teens. It's just there's not a lot of adjustments being made. Um, there's a ton of athleticism on this team, but mm-hmm. it's just it, the offense is based around pace and just shooting. It, it's not like no, it, there's nothing. There's nothing more to it. I, I don't know what else to say. But and it's fun when you're winning. Mm-hmm. But man, it's it's frustrating as all get out when when shots aren't falling. Yeah, yeah. So. Who knows what to say? Uh, men's basketball still playing. I think they, they play pretty consistently here, their schedule. I noticed, because um, I want to move on to women's basketball, who is entering a 16-day hiatus in the season. Uh, it appears to be much needed. They, um, you know, we love Coach O as much as anything, but I think it's safe to say they did not meet their own expectations at the tournament in Charlottesville this weekend. Uh, they lost to UVA. They in that loss, they scored the second fewest points in the O'Regan regime, um, which they followed up by topping that record in a win, actually, um, over UCF on Sunday. So they, they did sort of salvage the, the little mini tournament, you know, in terms of record. And I heard O'Regan today at his press conference say, this point in the season, six and two is not, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's if he had done it on paper before the season, he would have probably thought that was a reasonable expectation, but you could also, you know, and, and he's a little different because he, I think in speaking to the media is speaking to his players, but he tends to be a guy who speaks to his players very positively and optimistically. Mm-hmm. And I think was really trying to pump them up today that like, Hey, we're all right. Like we got this and we haven't, they have been, I mean, to, he's not making excuses in, in saying that, they have really not had their full rotation on the court for the same game for 40 minutes yet this season. Um, they've had, I think every, no one has been injured for the entire season or anything like that. Like the men's team when they were missing Wilson for a while, but they just have really been kind of, they'll be missing Benitez one night green the next night. You know, they've been kind of up and down uh, with the lineup. So I, I think he, he said today he was really looking forward to the 16 days off, get back in the gym, and try to get his some kind of rotation ironed out. That that was his biggest frustration as a coach was they just haven't been able to nail down what their rotation is. And I'm sure part of that is that one of their best players is a true freshman that <laughs> they're still trying to figure out how to deal with Kiki Jefferson in the rotation a little bit, I think. So who knows? But um, 
So they'll have a break. Men's team keeps playing. Uh, lots to do, but hopefully there'll be plenty of football to fill, uh, fill the time coming up. Um, Rob, I, I, you know, I did not get a ch- chance to watch a ton of Monmouth Holy Cross, but Monmouth kind of blew the doors off of Holy Cross. I don't think that was a huge surprise to either one of us. I mean, not that we weren't, for our own reasons, rooting for Holy Cross, um, independently of JMU reasons, right? Yeah, it was an uphill <laughs> yeah. battle for them, though. It I, was. It's the Patriot League. Jeez, I, I'm, I'm loath to even discuss the Patriot League being down. I didn't think they were that good last year or right. four years ago, but um, they were really down this year. I mean, mm-hmm. and Holy Cross won it in, like, in an NFC East. Somebody's got to win it fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, they played well in conference. They didn't do much out of conference. They played a decent schedule, but it, they were not a good matchup for Monmouth. Monmouth is, is actually a, a pretty good ball club. Um, yes, People don't want to hear it, and it's one of these schools like nobody's ever heard of it, or if they have heard of it, it's based on the basketball bench celebrations. Um, right. It's one of those schools people are Googling, like, oh, I didn't know it was in New Jersey. It's a small school, blah, 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 blah. Right. It, they're a good team. I mean, they're running yeah. nine – what is this, a nine-game winning streak? Uh, yep. It's a program record. They're coming off their first FCS playoff victory. It's mm-hmm. a team that has nothing to fear. When you talk about the old cliches of, like, playing with house money or – Nothing to lose. Nobody believes in us. They've got all that crap down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nobody in the country that thinks they're going to give Jamie a shot. Nope. Or, or, or have much of a shot against Jamie this weekend. But I don't know. I mean, that running back, what's, what's his name? Yeah, Guerrero. Pete Guerrero. He's no yeah. joke. I mean, you no. don't lead the nation in running if you don't have some, some talent. And people will knock the schedule. And fine, do that if you must. But the guy's got three straight 200-yard games, mm-hmm. one, of, one of which in the playoffs. Um he has literal track speed. He is a track athlete. I think he mm-hmm. runs like a 10.5 or 10.600. Um, the guy is – I mean, he's got some afterburns. We talk about Hamilton being dangerous if he gets a step on you. I don't know if you even saw any of the highlights. Yeah. When this guy gets some space, watch out, man. He's mm-hmm. good. He's shifty. I mean, this is – I'm actually really looking forward to this. Just from, I am too. If you take yourself out of it, forget about the JMU fandom. Like, we want to see our team, but – just if you're a football fan, to see JMU's run defense match up against the best the FCS has to offer, that's yeah. really exciting. Um, well, I noticed I today still am confident in JMU. Yeah. I, oh, I noticed today where they announced the finalists for the awards. Um, but, you know, Carter and DACA both made it. Mm-hmm. And I saw that um, Brian McLaughlin picked, uh, picked Rondell Carter on the defensive side. And one of the last five for the offensive player was Guerrero, the running back from Monmouth. Um, he's probably not going to win it. There's some, you know, quarterbacks with more notable stats out there uh, on the offensive side, but pretty cool that you get, you know, really, you know, arguably one of the best offensive players and certainly one of the best defensive players in the whole subdivision uh, matching up in the playoffs. It's going to be fun to watch. And their quarterback is a vet played a lot of football for them. Uh, He did. I don't know what happened to him this week. I noticed he had a little bit of a, he said it was cramps, looked like a hamstring. I don't know if I buy that. I don't know. I mean, yeah. like, it, it, it looked, I mean, from all accounts, everybody said it looked like something popped. Right. And then they were, like, rubbing it on the sidelines, which typically for cramps, you just stretch and you get on with your life. Yeah. If you're still getting treatment throughout the game, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah, and it's weird cramps, they got eat up a banana, get an IV. Right. And what happened? They got up 23 to 0 yeah. in this game, right out of the gate, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 23 to seven at the half, but it was, I mean, they, they didn't have to do a whole lot. They didn't need him to run around and scramble. So he didn't this week, um, but they're certainly very capable on offense. The two games they lost this year were to Western Michigan, the first game of the year. So the FBS game, you could throw that out. Uh, um, and then they lost what? 47, 27 to Montana at, a, Montana at Montana in a game that was 33, 27 in the, fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So they clearly have scored on just about everybody this year. Um, their problem has been, they gave up 45 to Western Michigan. They gave up 47 to Montana. So when they've played the big teams, they have given up some points. It's questionable whether they've played any other big teams. They beat um, Albany. They beat Albany, you know, but in that they, game, they did the same thing. It was a higher scoring. It was an overtime. 27, 24. Yeah. I mean, it was an overtime win over Albany. So, you know, good but win. Albany, I mean, Albany, Albany blew the business. doors off. Yeah. yeah. And again, pe- people can discount these first round matchups and say they're lopsided, no. but good teams lose them. Every- Villanova lost this weekend. Yep. You know, Towson, everybody thought was going to make a run. They lost to Buchanan last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Albany's 
really stepped up and put a put a good showing on for the CAA. I was really glad because it makes me nervous with the way and you know Villanova had a tough tough loss. They lost by one in Louisiana, and they had a receiver called for offensive pass interference on what would have been what should have been you know the game. What was the game winning catch? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and that was after they missed an extra or I don't know if that was before or after, I can't even remember, but they also missed an extra point, which ultimately Sela uh, scored again and, and kicked the extra point to win. So it was a weird game. Um, and look, Villanova gave up 45 points. So I don't, I don't think they can scream at anybody except themselves. Um, but yeah, Albany was great. I'm glad the CAA got a win. I think Albany, it's going to be kind of exciting. I didn't realize I hadn't paid attention since they weren't on our schedule this year, Rob, but their quarterback is on the, the finalist. Jeff Undercuffler is on the finalist list for freshman of the year. Uh, that, that actually, it excites me because I think we've yeah. been looking for another program to elevate itself. Yeah. I would not have picked Albany out of a lineup. For that. No, but he's a good quarterback. I mean, he's a big kid, six, five freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exciting. Like it, it but, is, but it's also kind of scary thinking another three years of that guy who's <laughs> only going to gain confidence if they keep yeah. winning in the playoffs. So they're going out to Bozeman to take on Montana state this weekend. Um, could be a fun one to see. Albany has been challenged this year. So they, uh, and, and certainly that Monmouth game that they lost early in the season is not, <laughs> is not looking like, is not looking bad at all right now. No. Um, they, so, you know, even though they didn't play JMU, they've been challenged. I did think it was interesting. Uh, Rob, we should point out for JMU fans, if you're looking for some more content this week, um, obviously listen to us, have fun with it, you know, all your normal stuff. But there is a – Brian and the Hero Sports guys did their Coach's Corner episode with the Monmouth coach about a month back. Um, you know, some of it you can throw out because it's the week before they beat Kennesaw. It was leading into the sort of, you know – de facto Big South championship game. Um, but I thought it was really interesting about what how Monmouth has built and what they try to do on offense and that their coach actually is from the Bob Ford Albany coaching tree. Oh, I hadn't realized that. Yeah, so um, I, I'm guessing that's why they kept the series going a little bit. I mean, obviously, it's not too far away from each other as well, uh, but kind of cool. And we'll see what happens this weekend, but JMU also announced they're going to play a home-and-home with Monmouth. Uh, coming Which up. I really like. Yeah, people, I've heard people being like, "What are we doing? Scheduling a school that small?" I'm like, "You, you got to lock in with competitive games, programs that are on the rise, want to take it seriously." I think this is great for an out of conference matchup. Um, yeah, it's the same thing, and I gotta wonder. The same things happened in North Dakota State. They just can't get games now. Yeah, it's from tough, some of the man. FBS teams, and I don't think JMU. You know, I, to I don't know what the philosophy. It'd be interesting to talk to Bourne as always about this. But if they can't get the West Virginias and the North Carolinas and the UVAs that they want, you know, what would you rather do? Play Weber or Monmouth, which are interesting, uh, probably good wins. You know, like they're good game. They're not going to hurt you that bad on the FCS side. Particularly Monmouth and Jersey, which is a pretty good recruiting state. Yeah, as you know, say, very, I mean, very good high school football. Um, a lot a, of alums up there. It's, well, that's good the other thing it's not that far from the city. No, it's a great fundraising opportunity for NYC Dukes, you know, sort of, um, which JMU doesn't get a lot of those. We tend to hit – I feel like they get the ones in Charlotte. They get the ones in Atlanta. They've been fortunate to go to Dallas, some of the bigger markets from time to – you know, for other reasons. Um, but I'm sure they're always looking for that from an alumni standpoint and, and from, like you said, big time from a recruiting standpoint. And it's also tough. When you want to get these games in the Northeast for these reasons we just stated. Mm-hmm. Um, Jersey is probably your best bet if you want to do it from any sort of recruiting perspective. Mm-hmm. But it's also nice just to reach out to the alums in that area, prospective students in that area. Yeah. And you're not going to find a lot of teams who are willing to schedule you. I mean, we talked last week about the Patriot League and like Holy Cross kind of has built in scheduling relationships with like multiple Ivies. Then they got the Patriot. Like it's kind of locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, those schools up there aren't really branching out. They're nope. not doing the same thing for decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an opportunity to get in there like, hey, this is great. They tried it with Chattanooga. We were all pleased with that. Um, mm-hmm. The SoCon maybe isn't what it once was. So give it a shot with Monmouth. I, I'm excited about it. It's certainly more competitive than, you know, a Moorhead State or some of these other teams that we brought in in the past. And I'm not opposed to going on the road. I'm not opposed to home and homes nope. with schools like this. Um, and if we're going to complain about the whole subdivision, 
I also don't mind that JMU's the one, you know, leading the lead by example. Yeah. I've been really impressed with a couple of the teams. I think SEMO has done it the last couple of years. Um, You know, we've seen Jacksonville state has done it the last couple of years. We've seen some teams from, you know, elsewhere be willing to step up. We saw UC Davis go to North Dakota state this year, you know, and the CAA has not done as much of that. And it's, you know, I'm glad to see Jamie take the lead. And I'll say that, you know, I don't, we're not going to talk about this, but <laughs> if anything ever were to change in the conference structure or where JMU sits, you got to have some of these games scheduled <laughs> down the road too, right? You can't, that, I don't know when that time comes, but if you get to 2025 or 2026 and the landscape changes again, and JMU has a different opportunity than the CAA. What you know, they can't play. They need some games they can win for a couple of years, or yeah. they're, they're going to be where ODU is right now. Just, yeah. So, anyways, um, a lot of stuff there. Yeah, Rob, I, I'm excited about this week. I'm really excited to see what the defense with a week off to keep getting healthy. You know, hopefully we see a fully functional defense. I wonder. I haven't heard anything. You know, not trying to speculate on the injuries at all. We know Holloway was a little banged up in the last game. That's about the only guy I think consistently. We've had some injuries, a little bit in and out at the safety DB spot. Um, we'd love to see those guys be fully healthy and sort of fully operational this week. I, you know, they're still looking for a guy to be the kickoff crazy person. But excited about the defense versus Monmouth's offense. That's certainly a fun matchup. And to, to really see, I think, you know, I, I don't know what you think. I, I don't know what Mama's going to try to do defensively against JMU. I'd have to imagine they're going to try to load the box and force JMU to beat them. Um, but can you imagine that in 2019 be like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to force the guy who's completing 70% of his passes yeah, to I know. try to beat us. Like, I know. It's, and, it is the logical thing to do, but it's like, man, we're, we're going to make him put the ball in Polk's hand and Stapleton and the yeah. other Stapleton. Like, it's just a pick your poison situation. Um, mm-hmm. You got to do it though. I mean, you got to try to stop the run if you're yeah. on this, and then go from there. Um, I don't know how successful they'll be. Hopefully, not at all. But I'm also excited to see Jamie's pass rush. Um, yeah, I hope, me too. I, I hope Kenji Bahar is not hurt. Me too. But if he is, if yeah. he's even a little bit gimpy, it could be a very long day for him. Yeah, I think that's gonna be um, really hard. Coming off a, a bye, I, I think Daka and Adib. Well, Adib will be out the first half, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, who's going to step in green? You think? Well, that, are they going to shoot guys green? Around? Is it a deep that's out or green that's out? Anyways, no, it's one a deep, of the, a deep's out for a deep's the first half. the one out for the first half. So I imagine what they might do is move Rondell inside and put Jalen Green, put Green the, the freshman the from Good Counsel. Defensive end. Yeah. yeah, I know they played Garrett Gruel in the middle a little bit um, as well. I, I don't know. It's hard because like you gain such a mismatch when you have Carter and Daka at the two ends. It's just almost impossible to deal with them from a pass rush standpoint. But with Pete Guerrero, <laughs> with the nation's leading rusher on the other team, I think they'd really rather have the middle be stout. So I, I think that'll be a combination of all of that, probably. They're um, going to need Holloway, too, because as we mentioned, you know. Oh, they're going to need Holloway and work. The, the Guerrero's sure. speed, and they're going to need Smith and Davis. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. I thought one of the best things coming out of the final game was the way that the defensive backs were anticipating of reading plays in the running game or mm-hmm. stopping like the screens. I thought they did had like great pursuit, but it wasn't even necessarily pursuit. It was just timing and getting there to eliminate those yards after the catch on the screens. Mm-hmm. And a couple times, I, I think it was Davis. Didn't he stop somebody at the end of the half to keep them from going, you know, uh-huh. just really great closing out and getting guys locking them or wrapping them up at the line of scrimmage. You're going to do that. You cannot let Guerrero get ahead of steam or get in the open field because no. he's, he's gone. And the other thing, I mean, Monmouth really is kind of a, I mean, I mean, I, I may regret saying this next week, but they're kind of a JMU light in terms yeah. of like what they want to do, what they do offensively, um, how they can do a little bit of everything. Um, one thing that would really, really help for JMU is to not have the slow starts we've seen in the second half of the season. Because if they could get ahead of Monmouth, then you really take them out of that Guerrero, pound Guerrero, you know, give it to Guerrero all the time position i mean they may end up swinging it to him and getting him the ball in other ways but that would really help and one thing we saw this weekend i think the one real glaring weakness from monmouth at least in this one game against holy cross um they really struggled on special teams a little bit 
to uh, Holy Cross had some real productive um, returns. Be really nice to JMU take advantage of that. And if the JMU offense can not do the thing they've been doing lately, which is sort of have that one or two series of three and outs before they get rolling. Yeah. You know, they, they, it'd be really good if they could get up on this team. I mean, you say that every week, but when you're going against a guy who's averaging 140 yards a game, it would really help. <laughs> and, so. and I mean, like you said, they've gotten in a lot of shootouts mm-hmm. this week, but they are very balanced. We talk about the running game and it's mm-hmm. tops in the FCS. He's averaging, what, 140 yards a game, do you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something um, like that. 139, but, I think. Yeah. But I mean, Bahar threw for 3,500 yards and like 29 uh-huh. touchdowns. He had, I think, single digit picks. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're covering up. This isn't like a Stony Brook situation under Carbone where they were going to just run it and kind of have an adequate game manager. Mm-hmm. They got a guy who can actually who can let it go. Yeah. Um, so if you can make them one dimensional, it'll make it a lot easier. But this this has got to be uh, as critical as you said that they don't get off to one of these slow starts and let Monmouth dictate the pace and keep our offense off the field. It's yeah. Really, we'll well, see. and one thing we saw, you know, I kind of made fun. I mean, this is my own mistake, but I kind of made fun of, I mean, I made, I enjoy making fun of Kennesaw. Um, and that was the only other supposed quote competition in the big South for Monmouth and Monmouth went down to Atlanta. I mean, they came South and destroyed Kennesaw yeah. mid season. Um, and at the time I thought, well, that just shows the conference is terrible. And I'm still not sure what it shows, but one thing we know is Kennesaw's still playing. Yep. They beat Wofford this weekend, and they're still playing. So, and they, you know, they ended up winning 28-14. Now, I, I do get – I think people get carried away every year. People get carried away in not just the first round, but this coming round, the round of 16. Like every sport, matchups are everything. Um, Kennesaw was playing another option team. You know, which did kind of set the stage for one of them to learn, <laughs> do yeah. something, right? You know, yeah. So it, it, who knows? But um, but that's the one game Monmouth has played late in the season, and they won that by a lot. <laughs> so and JMU fans, I mean, I I don't know what to say. JMU's the favorite, twenty three or twenty eight or whatever it is. Seems something over twenty seems a little high to me. But um, everybody's good now. I mean, everybody who won this week is good. And I, I didn't, you know, with the exception of maybe North Dakota State, I don't, I don't think there's any of the other seeds that I look at and say, well, that's a guaranteed win. Just no. looking at the matchups, no. you know. So, um, yeah, it would be nice to see. It would be nice to see Albany hang in there too. It would be good for the conference. It would be Villanova going out. Um, yeah, it's weird because like, I, I respect Monmouth a lot more than I did Colgate going into last year. And that's I don't true. know if that's because of the way the Colgate game turned out. Mm-hmm. But I do think that on paper, they're a more threatening matchup for JMU. And, and people can accuse us of, whatever, discounting the loss or calling the fluke. But I, I was not particularly impressed with Colgate, even though that went very poorly. Yeah, I was more impressed with Monmouth when I started looking into it and checking out some of the game on Saturday. Yeah, um, They've got some real talent. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know, but but I'm more confident. Like I think this team is more well prepared. I think Me they're a little more dialed in. None of the distractions that were present last year, <laughs> um, and I I think the defense, the front is way better than maybe we ever thought it would be at this point. That's that's exactly right. I, yeah, I I don't I don't want to. None of the other of us want to go back and revisit Colgate, but yeah, Colgate felt like a very try hard, you know, team. Yeah. Uh, Monmouth is also. Don't get me wrong. Monmouth is junior and senior laden. Um, but Jamie turned the ball over a billion times up there at Colgate. They were playing without a coach and they were playing without any confidence. Yeah. And they had been getting their ass kicked by New Hampshire and Elon for the last, you know, two of the previous six weeks or so leading into it. And they had to play Delaware. They, they were the ones who had to play the extra game the week before. And I think felt like they got snubbed or whatever. Yeah. It was, it did. It just feels <coughs> different this year. Excuse me. <coughs> oh, bless you. Yeah, yeah it just it just feels different. It's like there's, there's a sense of calm, I think, amongst the fan base. It's it's not even like a cockiness. I don't see everybody no. like mocking Monmouth, but like, oh, we saw a lot of that last year going into yes, Colgate. We, we sure probably did. egged a lot of that on, or, or were responsible for a significant portion of it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a much different approach this year, and that trickles down to us fans. Yeah. So, 
I think that is all for the Mossy Creek Four Downs, brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the fly shop, pick up all your winter fishing gear, uh, winter outdoor gear right now uh, from the boys over there, Brian, Colby. Go by and see them anytime. Uh, if you mention the podcast, you'll get a free Mossy Creek sticker for your cooler or your Yeti mug or whatever you have. Um, looking forward to seeing a bunch of you down at the game or in the Berg some point this weekend. Rob, I got a uh, got one of those old converters that I ordered to uh, <clears throat> make the car lighter power a uh, a crock pot for some chili this week. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, so we'll see how. Well, that... I'm, I'm Sam. Told me we're game time decision. Okay, he says he kind of wants to go. James has baseball yep. clinic or something like that, or baseball camp, mm-hmm. and then a birthday party. So he's fine. But Sam's like, "Ooh, football playoffs? Yeah, okay, okay we'll decide." And <laughs> so hopefully, I will be dragging him down. If not, maybe solo. But I, I think I got a decent shot of at least dragging him down one game this year. Awesome, and uh... which will be fun. Yeah, it was fun. I, I'm excited to get back to it. It was it was actually kind of fun, Rob. I don't know if you got to watch it. It was fun to get to watch a little bit of the FBS rivalry week this week without sort of the JMU game. I didn't watch much, but it was a good reminder of how college football is the best. Um, the Iron Bowl was what the Iron Bowl tends to be. It was incredible. Yes. Um, Saban lost a game by getting his team penalized from a high school play. That was great. Um, the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night was oh my gosh everything the opposite of Thanksgiving <laughs> that was peak egg bowl peak egg bowl um yes or uh, pea egg bowl I don't know yeah it was so, that was embarrassing yeah um UNLV Nevada uh ended in a brawl of some renown I, I saw that as well and I also saw that the Las Vegas Review Journal the I, I imagine the paper of record in in Las Vegas um, still refers they they only refer to the University of Nevada Reno as UNR in the paper, <laughs> which I have to imagine is doesn't sit well. It's like us saying "are you" all the time. Yes. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, really really wonderful bits of college football this weekend. Uh, I'm sure we missed some, but it'll be fun to get JMU back on the field, and I would certainly love for JMU to get by this week and uh, start getting their own shots at the Valley again if it works out that way. So, yeah, I, I was thinking, Rob, the South Dakota State, who did they play? You, you and I? I think so. Yeah, yeah Northern I Iowa, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, and Northern Iowa had a ton of injuries this weekend. They won, but I, I just – I saw like eight guys show up on there in the article after the game. Um, but in general, I was thinking ahead to the next weekend, if the seeds were to hold – almost all of the games would be out West. So that whole Friday night speculation that we've had could certainly come to pass. We'll see. Maybe oh, they, that would, be, that would be so clutch. Yeah. Maybe they want NDSU in that spot, but um, there's a noon game on Saturday and then the others are later. And you know that the two Western games, Sacramento state, Weber state, if the seeds hold, they're not, they're not playing the noon game on Saturday, the noon Eastern television game. Um, that'd be a 9 a.m. game. North Dakota State has frequently played an 11 a.m. for television, but you have to think Jamie's kind of in line for one of those first two, so we'll see what happens. Um, got to win Saturday. Got to win Saturday. It's the only thing we got to worry about now. Yeah. So with that, Rob, we're going to do a couple things tonight, right? Um, did you have any old guys leave moments from Thanksgiving this year? I didn't know if you had anything like that. No, I can't. Not really. No, I mean, my niece, who's yeah. in seventh grade, Got a real kick out of the story about my coworker asking me if I went to Jamie at the same time as her stepdad. <laughs> and then cutting um, you off. Yeah, that, that was pretty bad. Yeah. But no, other than that, it was, it was pretty low key, just family time. I did run our turkey hunt neighborhood. It's a five oh, yeah. uh-huh. where he was a nine year old, and he definitely had to slow down to work for me, um, <laughs> which was a little bit. A little bit humbling. I was very worried he'd never run a race like this before. He'd never run a race. He did a Spartan race, but has never done like or anything, but he yeah, said yeah. he wanted to do this um, purely for Gatorade. He, he uh-huh. said if he yes. did this, he'd get a big Gatorade. He's like, I'll do it then. So, so it's interesting motivation. But I was very worried about him pacing himself because uh-huh. he's like, oh, he ran a mile at school in like 640. So he's like, I can just do that. Pace. I'm like, no, you gotta, no. you need to slow down, pace yourself. So I was yeah. worried. He got bored about three miles and just started taking off. And I, had to, <laughs> I had to chase him down and be like, no, your old man needs, needs to stay with you. you know, I got to keep my eyes on you. And Good he did. But then 
he beat me by one second. Um, he nice ran across work. the line at the end and was thrilled when he logged into like whatever race tracker. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and saw the official time that he'd beat me by one second. So that was it. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have anything similar this year. Um, I don't think I'm still ankle still a little sore from falling off the curb, walking the dog a few weeks ago. <laughs> so oh, that's just my old guy note for thanks. Speaking of old guys, like I guess we should be angry or, or are you angry about this? Billy, is it Billie Eilish? Mm-hmm. She doesn't know who Van Halen is. <laughs> I couldn't care less. Like to me, that's great. No, young, that didn't bother young me woman all. in America doesn't know band from 30 years ago. Like God, God bless her. Like, and I don't know who, if, if we're just a little late, but of all the bands to sort of be upset that someone doesn't, isn't aware of them. Like, I don't know if Van Halen is the one that, yeah, like, like if you said someone didn't know Guns N' Roses or, or like didn't know Nirvana, Led Zeppelin or, like, or Nirvana, like, yeah, yeah, there'd be other bands from the different eras that I think would be, I know there's a very specific window of time where people just, there, there is a, maybe there, maybe we're too coastal <laughs> for, for some of the Van Halen, but I, I don't know. That was not, that, that one doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't bother me. I'm like, they're, they were relevant like 40 like 10 years ago. yeah like that, 10 years before she was born like who cares and they were huge for like i don't know what two three albums and like six tours but they're yeah. not like a band that like lasted for 22 decades run you know it's not like one of these sort of they're not a legacy act or something i mean i know they still play county fairs with and have like different reunions all the time but they're not it's not like I the know. stones or something <laughs> <laughs> that just seemed like the most old guys, like get off my lawn, screaming and yelling. Like, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Like, whatever. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, and, and we will get to this overtime. I guess we should kick it off now. Yeah, we just thought overtime. Yeah. This time of year, people are usually looking for gifts and or ways to spend whatever free time they can have away from work. So we thought we were going to do uh, recommendations: one book, one music, like album or uh-huh. whatever, concert, whatever, mm-hmm. music, and then one TV or movie suggestion. So mm-hmm. you want to go first? Sure. Um, I guess I will kick it off with, I'll do the movie first. Okay. Um, I think I've mentioned, I don't mean to step on yours, Rob, but I've mentioned country music, the PBS documentary. It's fantastic. Uh, the Ken Burns one. But I, I have see, not seen this yet, but I know it's getting I great did, reviews. This is the double shot. I did see Ford versus Ferrari last week. That was great. And then the mm-hmm. Carol Shelby documentary on Netflix um, is even more fun. Like if you enjoy the movie, which is more entertaining, you'll love the documentary, which is awesome, which is even more like deep dive. And to the movie's credit, I mean, it is definitely uh, based on a true story. You know, there is some Hollywood leeway there. But that, but most of the, the highlights are pretty accurate compared, according to the documentary. Um, but I had a blast watching that, Rob. <laughs> so... I, that's I really, cool yeah i, yeah, I mean I thought, it's just a fun i'm not a car guy but it made me want to go out and drive something cool yeah I, i'm not a car guy either but i have seen things on like the discovery channel about the whole you know yes. uh, ford versus ferrari thing and it is pretty pretty fascinating but it also is funny how they make it seem like ford which at the time was like the third or fourth largest company in the world <laughs> yes, yes, yes. it was like this little underdog no no and they, they do a good job yeah and it, it was cool the other thing that was cool to me was just that's sort of old ABC wide world of sports, like at a time before cable and before everything else, like there's a nod, you know, there's a mention of NASCAR, but they're like, Oh, NASCAR, you know, mm-hmm. like, like there's, it's just weird to me. Like that there was a time when the 24 hour races were the signature race in motorsports. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and I, I should know that that's such an American point of view, right? F formula one is bigger than any motorsport in this country. Um, it's bigger than almost any sport. Bigger than almost any sport in the world, right? And, yeah, and, and we're like almost completely unaware of it in this country. So it shouldn't be that big of a surprise. But it was really cool. And um, the 24-hour thing is really cool. It's fun. I mean, it makes for a fun movie. I enjoyed the heck out of it. And, uh, yeah, Kurt, I'd like to see it. Yeah, so that was mine. Okay, I will start with a book. And this is one. Okay. I actually think I got it for Christmas last year. Okay. I know I read it this year, but I think it was my Christmas gift last year. Um the Potlicker Papers. It's oh. a food history of the modern South. Nice. It's really cool. If you're into food, uh-huh. or you're into kind of American history, um, particularly Southern history, it's really, really neat. It's by this guy named John T. Edge. He's the director of the Southern Foodways Alliance. Yeah. Um, so it's clearly got a lot to do about food, but it almost just uses food as a way to introduce 
kind of a conversation about how the South has evolved and how there were contributions from all these different sorts of people, particularly the slaves and African-Americans and how so much of what we consider to be American mm-hmm. or Southern cuisine really was brought to us by these slaves and kind of the role that's played and how it's affected kind of not so much politics, but just kind of culture and people and community. It's really neat. It's cool. It's cool. If you like food, it's also just neat. If you talk about kind of the evolution of, of America and of the South and how it's changed. Um, if you like, if, I don't know if you read like bitter Southerner. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like in any of that sort of stuff, um, mm-hmm. it's cool. I'd recommend it. Like I'm, I'm a food geek. I'm not so much like into fine dining. Like I used to be now that I have kids, but I mm-hmm. still love food. I love discovering new things about food. I love That's reading cool. about food. Yeah. Um, and I also like history. So this is neat. I'd recommend it. it it's not going to be for everybody. I yeah. Admit, but if you're one of those people who enjoys food, enjoys culture, enjoys kind of reading about some of the difficult topics and how race has kind of played intentional and unintentional ways into our culture, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I definitely recommend that if, if you're looking for a, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, good recommendation. I did not know about that. So love that. And I uh, love all that. I uh, actually found it. It was on the shelves of the biscuit place in my neighborhood. Nice. <laughs> I was like, I was reading it in line. Then I went home. I was like, I got to go order this or, or put on my Christmas list or something. So. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, my book comes from, I, I found, I discovered it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> imagine that. Um, but it was a tweet from Shay Serrano. A uh, guy who writes, contributes to the ringer from time to time. Um, but it was about another book by, I, I guess I'm assuming a friend or contemporary of his. Um, Rob, this is a topic that would not have gotten me, but I have to say I got the book thinking of you and Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought if the book is good, I'm going to share it with those guys because they know how much they love this. And it's the, um, the guy's name, the author is Hanif Abdur-Rakib. And mm-hmm. the book is called Go Ahead in the Rain, Notes to a Tribe Called Quest. Oh. And it's... It, the, the front of the book says, this is the third book by Hanif. It's a love letter to a group, a sound, and an era. It's called Go Ahead in the Rain, Notes to a Tribe Called Quest. I've read a review of this. It came out. Yeah, there's a Rembrandt Brown piece on the book jacket, like a little blur. Yeah. You know, um, I just thought of you and Drake in particular, because I know how much you love Tribe. Yes. And yeah, and I just, it, it's so fun. I, it's not, I don't know what to say. It's like, I, it's not, um, it's really about a kid who grew up when we did like listening to this music, mm-hmm. it's really not about, I mean, it's sort of about the music and sort of about the group. And it is, there is certainly biographical, like a sort of biogra- biography piece to it. Um, but it's also kind of an, like an essay on the world. About, like, it's really good based in this. How the music just shapes your perspective. Yeah. At that time. And you know what else I had forgotten? It just, I, I know we both kind of listened to this growing up. You're a little more contemporary with it that, the two years for you to me makes a little bit of difference here. Mm-hmm. Um, but just how oddly timed tribe was in terms of hip hop. Like yeah. I'm not a hip hop head or anything, but just how they were like the end of one of like sort of the, They're kind of the bridge, the end of, yeah. end of kind of the eighties old school, but they were doing a little different. Yeah. It went from a lot of like, and the very end and making of the, your, the jazz beats and then yes. into making your own beats. Sort of yes, thing. to having like a full, you know, full a, like an Apple, yeah. yeah, produce yourself and having all this music and being able to do all this. And they're kind of in this weird, it, it's just weird to think about the groups that they were with at the beginning of their career and then their very short career. I mean, they're really only together for not, you know, less than a decade. Yeah. And by the end of their career, it's like a whole, it's like all the people we know today. Mm-hmm. It, and it's just a very weird, you know, they're going from like, you know, I mean, literally the birth of hip hop at the beginning of their career and bridging to people like Jay-Z and Eminem by the end of their career. It's just, a, I, I love this book. So I'll, I'll give it to you when I'm done. Rob. So yeah. I'm on the, no, la- I'm like in the last little bit of it. Yeah. So. Um, the Beats Rhyme in Life, the travels of the mm-hmm. Tribe Called Quest, the documentary. I think yep. Michael Rappaport actually produced it. Mm-hmm. It's actually really good. If, if you like nice. music documentaries, mm-hmm. I would recommend that. Another one, if you like music books, and I know it's not really a novel or anything, but the BC Boys book mm-hmm. is awesome. I got that for Christmas yeah. last year, too. Yeah. It's filled with all sorts of great pictures and stories, and it's super, super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So for me, what are we on now? I guess I got to 
music. You uh, can do music this, or movie or TV. I'll yeah. do music. Like first, I, I love Sturgill's latest album. Yeah. I'm not going to choose that. Like I've talked to some fans who think it veered too far away from country. I got tickets. I, I did too. <laughs> yes. Uh, I thought it was fantastic, but I'm actually going to go with Two Hands by Big Thief. Have you listened yeah. to this record? Yes. Yet? It's just, I mean, that's like instant classic. They are such a kind of breath of fresh air. I'm so um, glad that they're like making it with this album. The, what was yeah. that song from a couple years ago? Um, Shark Smile. Shark Smile, was, yeah. right. was such a good song. And I was like, I wonder if they'll ever come back around. Yeah, um, they put out what, two albums in the past like six Because where are they this from? One, uh, are they from like Brooklyn. Oh, are they're from, okay, yeah. 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 They're based out of Brooklyn. I don't know where mm-hmm. they're from, but. I don't know why. I was uh, she's just got such a fantastic voice, and it's yeah. just a cool album, and it's a very unique sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of a sucker for indie rock with female vocalists for mm-hmm. some reason, but I don't know. I just love it. And everybody, when the date came out, everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, album of the year, it's amazing, it's amazing. And I was like, oh, well, let's see. And I listened to it and absolutely had me hooked. It's just, it's a great, great listen. Um, oh, that's awesome to hear. Check it out. No matter, I think it would appeal to people who like all different genres too. Cool. Yeah. So. Nice. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned that. I may have said this on the podcast before, Rob, but um, there's not a new album, but the guy I was going to say tonight, the, I've been just because I've been evangelizing about this a little bit lately, which is the guy who's opening for Sturgill at that show coming up in March at the Anthem is Tyler Childers, mm-hmm. um, who's just really fun in the same vein. I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it's Americana, alt country, whatever you want to call it, but uh We've I've put him for those of you we do have a couple fan uh, trip wherever you are what's up uh, we have a couple people who pay attention to whatever song I put on the fade out <laughs> at the end of the show every week and I think I I don't know if I've used Childers once or twice this year but I definitely um, got some comments um, I did the last two weeks Rob but you I know you don't listen um, but I used Dolly each of the last two weeks oh, well, and a lot be. of people said it was okay if i just turned this into a dolly podcast so no, that's yeah. okay yeah, Re- yeah. replace us with some more dolly songs right exactly so yeah cool so what's your last one another good one if you like kind of that alt country mm-hmm. garrett t caps Mm-mm. he's okay. like a text i don't know if you're no garrett g-a-r-e-t-t yeah capital t heard that. caps yeah he's really weird i heard him on some like i don't know kexq or something like that podcast but mm-hmm. Really weird out there, kind of like Texas all country. Nice. Um, I guess for TV, I'll go completely off brand for mm-hmm. like a what is pretty much a football podcast talking about dumb guy stuff. And <laughs> I actually got drawn into this show, Modern Love. I do not know what this is. <laughs> yeah, no, we will. I'm gonna I'm gonna get hammered for this. We'll have like ten female listeners. No, so Megan will be happy. Some... Your sister will be happy. <laughs> yeah, well. Jessica's very into it. And Jessica's like, she's like, oh, there's this show in has got all these famous people in it. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, you gotta give me more than that. Mm-hmm. So we go, whatever. And it's like, it's like eight different episodes. It's based off the column, it's The Modern Love, which is just kind oh. of these, just random oh. love stories. Okay. And it is, I mean, it's not for everybody again. It is kind of sappy, but it's just these little, like three minute vignettes of some couple or some romantic thing um, that happened to people's lives. And I don't know. It's, there's a lot of crap going on in the world. I kind of watch this begrudgingly with my wife, and I end up loving it. And then everybody at work was watching it, guys and girls. <laughs> uh, it's just cool. It's just refreshing to see, like, fun, kind of cheesy, but they're all based on real stories of these encounters that were profiled in the New York Times. So, I don't know. If, if you're into that sort of stuff, great. If not, I look forward to everybody tweeting me and mocking me for suggesting this. <laughs> Well, I, I actually have nothing for the TV, Rob. So that's awesome. I'm glad that you had something yeah. current. Um, I have not seen The Mandalorian. I don't have HBO right now, and I haven't tried to go and find it. Um, but would love to. We'll, we'll we'll be looking forward to it at some point. Um, I haven't seen The Watchmen. I know a lot of people love that. Um, I'm kind of getting caught up on The Crown for whatever that matters, right? But I love The Crown. Yeah, I have not seen, got, gotten into the new season or anything. So, um, yeah, I don't have anything. Um, I, I don't really have, it, other than I, I did watch all 16 hours of the Ken Burns country music documentary, which I loved on PBS. But that's like no, the only I've, thing I've, I've got to dig into that. It's just tough this time of year. There's so many good sports on. Sports is, is the time. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, it's just tough. And now we're in the playoffs. I'm about to go watch Silicon Valley. I'm a, I, I like these half hour shows because they're great films. I have not had HBO since Thrones ended. So, I just, I don't know. I haven't, I've been trying to sort of steer clear for a little bit. So we, we got it um, for like 15 bucks through Amazon prime. Oh, good. Yeah. Because Jessica refuses to give any more money, even if it's just passed through to Comcast. 
Yeah. So she was like, no, we, we will, we will get, she, we wanted to watch something. I forget which show. Okay. I don't, I don't even know. Oh yeah. You guys are Comcast down there. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. I, I mean, we're, I think we're Cox here and it's equally terrible, but I, you yeah. know, whatever. So anyways, well, I hope everybody has, um, maybe they can pull one thing away from that despite our poor taste. Um, and we're really looking forward to this weekend, Rob. I just last thing as we, as we head out this week, uh, we may talk about it again. We will talk about it after the season or after the semis, if we're that lucky, but, um, this, I think this week, Rob, or, or at least next week, maybe is, is the 10th anniversary of the JMU sports blog. <laughs> so, Oh my gosh, we should, yeah. we should do some, we should do some sort of charity thing. Yeah. I think I've been, I've been thinking we, about it. We should it. look I, into like, if we can adopt a family from like, yeah, the, I think, I, from like it, the it, community, it, the JMU USB community, if we just somehow adopt a family. Yep. Have every of like five or ten bucks to make yep. somebody's Christmas or something. I'm, I'm gonna yeah, look into I, that. And I definitely think we should do. I mean, we'll we'll talk about this again. We'll talk about it after the show, but we'll also talk about um, you know, I think we should do our Joe Sahosky challenge that we talked about a little bit last year. Yeah. Um, at some point as we head towards the CA tournament in basketball and stuff. Um, so we'll try to set something up coming up pretty soon. We'll have a lot more to talk about. Uh, we may have a lot more to talk about about our friends at Mossy Creek next week. Yeah. But we'll. Uh, We'll let and you hopefully know. have a big win over Monmouth to talk about. That's the biggest thing of all. So, Rob, I will talk to you next week. Yeah, have a good week, everybody. Go Dukes.